With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. And the 2-2. He blew him away. 99. Two down. Back-to-back Ks. And he struck him out. Came back with a Swifty at 98. Sale looking for another whiff. Valencia down on strikes. So there's nine for the left-hander. I'm rambling on, and I don't mean to, but uh, we wish Danny well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chris Sale will be pitching against the Twins tonight. I'm sorry, that soundbite's always going to get me. (laughs) Uh, Last year, Chris Sale struck out 308 in 214 in the third innings. He uh, walked. uh, How many did he walk? Wait, where the hell's the walk? 308 strikeouts, 43 walks. That's a very fine. (laughs) That's not bad. You know what we call that? Efficient. That's a very fine percentage. And he didn't win the Cy Young Award, uh, which uh, really uh, tells you that it it was difficult to win last year. 290 ERA. Somehow, the uh, Twins beat him. What was about four or five years ago, and they were terrible. They beat him like six times, right? Yeah. Wasn't he one and five Couldn't against beat anybody else but him. He's uh, 97 and 62 for his career. Who did win the saying Award? I was show? just going to ask. Why can't I, I think of that? Uh, Berlander? Who was it? Oh, Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber. Kluber. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's tough to and argue. Was, Corey was I actually good. put sale. I had the MVP ballot, even though I probably would have voted for Kluber. As the uh, Cy Young Award winner, I put Sale fifth and Kluber sixth because mm. I think Sale, that Red Sox team last year didn't hit. Yeah, you're right. No, they didn't yeah. hit. And he finished uh, 17 and 8 for him. Remember who he, finished seventh last year? Who, who? Irvin. Irvin. Irv. Santana well, finished. Irvin had he, he had a good year. A good year. Yeah. Uh, Irv had a good year. But anyway, Sorry. Uh, this year's 6 and 4, 275 ERA. And uh, how many strikeouts? We got 129 strikeouts in 95 innings. So uh, <laughs> if he gets back up there at uh, to uh, 214, he'll he'll be right there again. Yeah, That's a lot of strikeouts. He's good. He's well. He's and he's the funkiest guy of all time. <laughs> you know what? I don't re- didn't realize until I was reading up on him today. You know where he pitched? Florida Gulf Coast University. We were down there, and when I was down there in Fort Myers, oh, yeah, I could have really? went over and saw him pitch. He was pitching for right right there, right there in Fort Myers, Florida Gulf Coast University. He's from Lakeland, home of the Tigers, and uh, ended up at Florida Gulf Coast. 
And uh, now he just had a fantastic career. Now I know he's he's a little on the taller side. He's what six five, six six, something mm-hmm. like that. Was he playing basketball at Florida, Florida Golf Coast? No, I don't what did we call them? Lob City. What was their nickname? Uh, Dunk, City. Dunk City. Dunk City. I think it was, yeah. 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 When Andy uh, Enfield. Dunk City. But uh, it's uh, Chris Sale tonight. Just a fantastic. Uh, you know what's amazing about career? his career too? His numbers are fantastic. But with that delivery, he's never had arm trouble. He's re- remained pretty healthy throughout his, his what, career. 28, 29? His starts yeah. have been, here, let me find his age. I got it right here. Uh, uh, 330, 1989, so he just turned 29. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. And uh, he's made, uh, since he became a uh, regular in 2012, he's made 29, 30, 26, 31, 32, 32, and he'll, he's on pace to make 30-some again this year. He's pitched uh, 192, 214, 174, 208, 226, 214, 95. I went, and they, they were talking about him uh, throwing 99, and he's always throwing hard. But I was uh, having lunch with Mr. Baseball Saturday, my okay. son, yep. Christopher. And remember, he is of the belief that uh, we are getting these fantastic uh, velocity readings from everybody because they are measuring the speed. You know, it used to be they measured it closer to the pitcher, you know, closer to the catcher. It okay. was further down, and they changed the gun now, and it's almost out of the hand. Oh, really? I didn't know and, that. And when you see a guy the other night, for instance, I was watching uh, Waka, and they had him at 96. He was never a 96 no. guy. He was a 93, 94 guy with a lot of movement. I think he might be right. Because I think, you know, hundred. You know, all of a sudden guys going 104. Why would wrestlers. we have changed that? I mean, I, I did not know I, that. I find I, that I, interesting. I think what they're doing is looking for peak speed. What was the... It's not how fast it is when it gets to home plate. It's how, it's how fast. fast it's. What is the fastest speed it attained on the way to the plate. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so there is a. Some... Is that? I guess my question then is that is that a marketing thing? Are we so that way we can show the higher velocities when we're on TV? Maybe they think it's more legitimate. I I don't okay. know. I don't know. But uh, because it probably doesn't make any difference where you attain that speed. It's the if if it's if it's only. If it's only ninety six when it arrives at the plate and you released it and it was ninety eight. It's still getting to the plate. It's still how long it takes to get it to the plate. Right. It doesn't make any difference what the speed was at the time of arrival. Right. But so, like with a guy like Fernando Rodney, then who's yeah. forty-one yeah, and he's still 90, throwing 90, 95. might be ninety-two, right? Three. Okay. You know? I mean, I just wonder if that's if he might be if Chris might be right because hmm. that's uh, interesting. I hadn't thought of interesting. that. He's a math guy too. Yeah, you know? he could. He ever got in a contest with Joe? He it wouldn't last. It wouldn't last. <laughs> It'd be a first round knockout. And you know where that kid's roti- uh, math skills come from? Rotisserie baseball when he was about seven. See, that's the yeah, way to do that's it. Right? Don't pay that much attention to school. No, play, uh, baseball cards, play, man. Uh, Let's go play rotisserie baseball with your buddies, and you you can become a math. Twenty twelve, by the way, he became a full time starter with the White Sox. Since then, every year he has finished in the top. Six in Cy Young voting every single year. He's good. There's nothing, I think, in life, if I was left-handed, that I would rather not do 
than face him. Oh, God. <laughs> just come on. No shot. You know, we talk about shifts and everything. Let's say you got to have a, a, a smooth release. You can't do all this crap. It's too, it's it's too, too funky. It's too frightening. <laughs> we'll be back. This is the ride with Royce. I see it as a car crash. I'm rubbernecking. On 1500 ESPN, part of the murderer's row of ball talk. Play ball! Here's legendary pitcher and broadcaster Jim Cott. On the ride with Royce. Jim Cott, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, Patrick. June 19th, 1962, Jim Cott hits his first Major League home run. Who'd you hit it off? Dominic Zanny. Dominic Zanny. I hardly remember him. Where was he from? Where was he with? Who was well, he with? He, he was with the White Sox. Okay. All right. And I used Don Mincher's bat. <laughs> he won 12. And Minch said, look. When he gets behind in the count, look for a fastball. Uh -huh. And I think the count went to three and one or three and two, and I got a nice fastball there. It was in old Comiskey Park, and uh, somehow or other found the barrel of the bat. The way it went. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, where did you pull it? Must have pulled it. Huh? I did right center field. Wow, that Somewhere was somewhere out over that uh, three. I think it was three seventy five to right center in old Comiskey. You were a good hitter, though, but you didn't. You didn't worry about power. You were worried about uh, hitting something that would drop, huh? Well, uh, Johnny Sane, and of course, in '62 when I hit that was before Johnny Sane. But even Eddie Lopat uh, was our pitching coach, and their theory before the DH was try to be responsible for one run a game as a pitcher. Uh, bun a man over, hit a sacrifice fly, steal a base, dock a run in, whatever. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of blowback from people that say, ah, they wasted time with the pitcher hitting and let's go to the universal DH. But our goal was to always try to be a better hitter than the opposing pitcher because that gave you an advantage. And that's why I kind of, I kind of liked the game better without the DH. And uh, that early Twins pitching staff uh, here in Minnesota, Pedro Ramos was a good hitter, and I think Camilo was okay, wasn't he? Well, Camilo hit a grand slam. Uh, Jim Perry was a good yeah. hitter. Boswell was a good hitter. <laughs> oh, we was had a, he? We I had a good, yeah. I, I would say one year we may have had, I don't know, six to ten home runs from our pitching staff. Um and a lot of a lot of good hits. We had a we had a, a pitching staff that could hit rather well. And and then of course Dean Chance came along and ruined that. Yeah, he was, right. he yeah. was one of the, he's one of the five worst of all time. I think he was horrible. Yeah, Dino Dino gave us as great a pitcher as he was. He gave us pitchers a a bad rap as being <laughs> non athletes, <laughs> and he was. You know, Dino was a great high school basketball yes, player. Yes, he was, but he could not hit yeah. at all. Could he bunt? I can't. Could he lay down a bunt or not? I can't. I remember. don't remember. Yeah. I mean, in those days, if you couldn't bunt, I mean, they made you keep bunting until you learned how to bunt. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's uh, 
That's fantastic. And, of course, you still are the last Twins pitcher to hit a home run. And, uh, well, that's, uh, that's good the DH game. <laughs> yeah, 1972. Uh, so, Chris Sale's pitching here again tonight, pitching tonight for the Red Sox against the uh, Twins. Being a left-handed hitter against him can't be any fun, Jim. Or even a right-hand hitter. I mean, uh, yeah, right. I love Chris Sale. I, I see a lot of Red Sox games because I get their network up here in Vermont. And he, uh, you know what's so unique about Chris is he keeps it so simple. Uh, he doesn't go to the pitchers' meetings where they, you know, we used to call them scare the pitchers' meetings where when you came out of there you thought, well, where am I going to throw the ball? Yeah. Every, every place you think of, they say, well, you can't pitch him here, you can't pitch him there. And the other thing Chris does is he never shakes off his catcher. Mm-hmm. He just says, well, you know, if he feels it's the best pitch, he has complete confidence in the catcher, as, say, Steve Carlton did with Tim McCarver. And then I think Chris's mindset is if I throw the pitch he wants, the catcher calls, and I execute it, they're not going to hit it anywhere. So he's he's uh, he's all about executing what he has and his stuff is so good with that uh, kind of funky motion with his elbows and and uh, kind of angular body that is has to be difficult for the hitter to pick up the ball. He, uh, I didn't realize he doesn't go to the meeting. He just says, uh, "Well, we're good here. No. We don't we don't have to talk about this." Which I really like because I mean, when I coached for Pete Rose the first day that I uh, had the pitchers in the pregame meeting, I said, "Now." I said, this is going to be the shortest meeting you've ever had <laughs> at going over the hitters. Yeah. I said, for as long as Abner Doubleday, when he invented the game, it's high and tight, low and away. Get your off-speed pitches over when you're behind in the count. Strike one is the most important pitch. If they're a pull hitter, we'll play them a step to pull. If they're not, we'll play them straight away or step the other way. Good luck and go get it. <laughs> that was it. And I really think the game was more enjoyable back then when we really kept it simple. Yeah, I mean, if you're good enough, if if they tell you to throw it uh, here against this hitter, if you're good enough to do that, uh, then you can throw it any. If, if if you're good enough to throw it to an exact spot, then then you don't need some big report because you're you're going to be a good yeah. pitcher. Execution will beat technology any day of the week. <laughs> That's true, but he's. Uh, I, I wonder if he would have been come along years ago if somebody would have tried to straighten out that motion of his. Some old pitching coach, or uh, did they appreciate? Well, funky? It, you did know, they that's appreciate possible. funky. Yeah, that, I don't know because I don't think uh, years ago they were quite into the cookie cutter you know, motion kind of comparing it yeah. to the golf swing. Nowadays, everybody is trying to have that perfect golf swing, whereas years ago, guys just kind of went with what they had. So I, I never uh, – I just remember Jim Lemon uh, telling me, he said, you know, you're you, you got to speed up your motion. You know, your motion's too deliberate. And, but then when I'd hear Harmon Killebrew tell me, that different hitters got on first base, and they would say, well, his fastball is sneaky because his motion is so deliberate. Yeah, right. But the ball sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you, you have to be real careful about trying to change a guy who's been successful 
with what he's had, whether it's in high school, college, or in the minor leagues. Hey, Jim, uh, we just had a piece in the Star Tribune. Phil Miller did it on the uh, wind-up going away. Even with starting pitchers, the uh, you don't the elaborate wind-up uh, is is uh, kind of going away. A lot of a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, starting pitchers, even when nobody's on base, pitching out of a modified version of the stretch. Yeah, and I, I don't like that. I mean, uh, I know watching my grandkids, they all are taught now to pitch as if there's a man on base. Now, you'll see Sale tonight. He pitches with what we'd call kind of a side saddle windup, but yes. he has a little bit of a kick start to it, and he uses his lower body real well, where when you look at Right now he's on the disabled as this Drew Pomerantz for the Red Sox. He's yeah. like six six. And he starts from that set position and I just think uh two things. They don't really get as much effort out of their front side as they as they should. I always thought that using that front side, you know, you kinda of throw the glove at the hitter and that was a bit deceptive and it also gave you a little momentum or power with your motion which took off a little pressure, you know, lessened the pressure on your arm. So I know they do that for control, but I, I think they're losing a lot. I think the last pitcher that I remember sort of using the full windup with their arms was Paul Bird. I don't know if many people remember Paul sure. Bird, but pitcher of the field, he was sometimes even double pump. And I, uh, as Johnny Sane told me years ago, he said, you get hitters out four ways. You know, if you're Koufax, Nolan Ryan, Clemens, guys <laughs> like that, you get them out with natural stuff. Yep. Not all of us have that. Then you get them out with movement, changes speeds, location, or motion. And your motion can be very deceptive, which is an asset to a pitcher, and I don't think enough pitchers are taking advantage of that today. Yeah, that's uh, it, it is uh, interesting uh transition that's for sure uh, my uh, son who's uh, quite a baseball fan is uh i was having lunch with him a couple of days ago he's convinced that we're uh adding two miles an hour to everybody's velocity by where they are now measuring the speed from that uh, earlier in its flight it's not being measured at the plate it's being measured uh at at the apex i guess of its speed do you I, I mean i am seeing 98 for the other night waka was 96 and i i've never seen him as a 96 mile an hour pitcher i i think we got something going on here velocity wise beyond guys just throwing harder well i think your son's right i think what everybody would be interesting to see if you go on i think it's youtube it's about an hour and 20 minute documentary i, I think you'd call it a documentary it's called fastball Okay, yeah. and they have they have hitters talking about how Goose Gossage's fastball was intimidating, and Bob Gibson's and Sandy Koufax's, and then they have the technology guys talking about how, you know, when the ball comes out of the hand, you know, they may not pick it up till it's ten feet out, and so sometimes those miles per hour are not really true. I've always thought that. I mean, I was pitching for the Cardinals in 1982 when I was closing in on 44 years old. And we had a guy named Charlie Gelati who clocked the pitchers with a radar gun. So I come in with my usual, you know, half an inning, one inning, whatever, and uh, get done, come down the dugout. And Charlie had gone from behind the backstop around up the tunnel, called me down in the tunnel. He said, hey, 
I clocked you at 92 that inning. I said, Charlie, you see that trash can there? I said, throw that radar gun in that trash can. I said, I couldn't drive 92. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of those are very, very deceptive. I, I, I think some of the things that have sort of uh, taken away the, the enjoyment of our game are the radar gun and all the analytics and launch angle and things like that. But I think your son is right on. I, I don't put a lot of credence in the what the radar guns show and what they actually are. Hey, Jim, uh, Joe Madden this morning was unhappy about the split doubleheader that he, they're playing today, the Cubs, because they got a day game again tomorrow. Did Calvin invent it? Did we? Did Calvin invent it here for the Yankees? I know the uh, there's a couple of younger guys, historians, the twins, who did a kind of a book on the early twins called Split Doubleheader uh, because of Calvin. But they, you didn't have many of those until you got here, right? And then there'd only be a couple a year. But uh, oh, I, I think I think that's accurate. I, and you know, Calvin did such a good job of selling that because his his motive was. The Yankees are in town, yes. and I want to give more people an opportunity <laughs> to see the Yankees. Saturday, so we're right. going to play one game at one and yeah. one game at seven, so eighty-eight thousand people will get to see the Yankees instead of forty-four thousand. So, I, I think you're right on. I don't remember playing any split double hitters till the Yankees came to Minnesota. Well, they had no idea. The players uh, weren't weren't organized then, and they had no idea the monster they were creating with these yeah. split double headers. Yeah, I really, uh, of course, I did that thing on shortening the game to seven innings, yes. and I think it'd be so cool to have a a, a regular double header with seven inning games because it would, you know, it would take probably the same amount of time. Might even take more time than we used to play. Uh, two nine-inning games in a doubleheader, but uh, <laughs> that was such a nice thing for the fans. Yeah, and uh, in minor leagues, of course, that's the way they do it. They do play two seven sure. nine uh, So you got to get you. You said you don't have a game here for a couple more weeks, huh? Well, I got two of them next week. Okay. I have the Angels at the uh, Red Sox, and of course, we're disappointed that Otani will not be there yeah, for the right. Angels, but. Uh, you know, you get to see guys like Mike Trout and Mookie Betts are two of the best all-around players in the uh, in the game. And then with my friend and colleague John Smoltz, qualified for the U.S. Senior Open Golf Tournament okay, in Colorado. That, so right. they asked me if I could do the Friday game in New York, which will be Red Sox and Yankees, and I will do that. So uh, next week I have two Red Sox games. Yeah, well, that's good. And uh, Red Sox, Yankees, glad we can finally get a chance to see them on TV, Jim. <laughs> but, uh, hey, those are two awful good clubs. Hey, thanks for your time, Jim. All right, Patrick. Talk to you in a couple Take of weeks. Care. The great Jim right. Cott. We uh, will return. All right, our boss here, Dan Seaman, is a Arlington guy. Arlington, we don't hold it against him. Arlington, yeah. Arlington, Minnesota. They had some glory years in amateur baseball, the Arlington A's. Mm -hmm. And uh, the early, late 60s, early 70s, Jim Stoll, Larry Clunder. And then later on in the 70s, Joe Driscoll, Duke O'Brien, uh, a real collection of characters. And he was, they had a wake last night. Uh, Donnie Kubel died. Uh, he was 85, and he was one of the Arlington legends. 
Never be, you know, I'm not a guy who likes to go to wakes, but I wish I was at that wake. Oh, the stories. The, the Arlington guys were all telling stories about the glory days. And Larry Clunder became a baseball coach and a recreational director and big, strong, always in shape guy. And he shows up last night. He's 85 years old and he's still built like a brick outhouse. And, and one of the younger guys, the, the 60 year old kids who were intimidated by him said, Hey, Clunder, someday we're going to kick your rear end. We're going to kick the hell out of you, Clunder. And he turned around and says, how about tonight? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, the, and, and they said, no, not yet. Not yet. yet. Not not yet. yet. We're going to wait but Some night, Clunder, we're going to kick the hell out of you. <laughs> how about tonight? There is nothing better oh, than the, sitting in a oh, dugout and listening to old guys talk town ball stories. Oh, my God, I could do it every day. And if you got to go to a wake, there's nothing better than a... A storytelling wake with a bunch of guys oh. sitting around telling stories, and they, the Arlington A's had uh, they were they were the man. They won I think five state titles in about a fifteen year period, but uh, they had two different sets of fantastic players. And that's a great ballpark too mm-hmm. down there. They uh, you know they 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 had a little slip in the middle, and then they put it back together. They. Uh, Apparently, if you uh, if you got a job at the cement factory in the, you were in the in. summer, your hours were a little bit lax. Hey, I've heard this story a million times, but I don't know if these two have. Tell them what the the story of the uh, the the phone story with Driscoll. Driscoll, Joe, the great Joe Driscoll, my favorite all time amateur baseball player, played at Runway Red Wing last year, one year, and. His home phone was the uh, pay phone at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is this where you live? Yep. Because yeah. <laughs> you know you have to live within a certain mile. Later, yeah. he yeah. was. Uh, uh, Billy Nelson was running the Dundas team, and Billy said he was building a treehouse for uh, in front of the front yard. That was going to be Driscoll. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that for the kids? No, tree, Driscoll. For Driscoll. His number was the pay phone at the ballpark. Oh God, it's beautiful. <laughs> He's also the guy, and I hate to kill all this time, but uh, he's Not also the guy that uh, I went and wrote a column on him when he was 50 and he was retiring and he was the, the, the gal had been with him for like 20 years and married him a couple of years earlier. And his brother said the only reason she married him was beer cost a buck and a half for girlfriends and a buck for wives. So she <laughs> could save 50 cents on beer. Here's Johnny Height with the sports. Hey, Thanks, Patrick. This update sponsored by UPSjobs.com. Want a great job with benefits? UPS is hiring part-time package handlers throughout the Twin Cities. $15 per hour and up to $25,000 in tuition assistance. Apply at UPSjobs.com. Wins open up a three-game series against the Red Sox this evening at Target Field. Jose Barrios against Chris Sale. Uh, I know this will uh, surprise all of you, but the latest figures from the All-Star voting uh, show no Twins are anywhere no, near. Not even, not even any of our Eddies. I suppose Escobar is not even on the ballot. He huh? is not. Escobar is not in the top five. I saw the top five of everything, but outfielders, Eddie Rosario's number 12. Well, Eddie probably wasn't listed as a twin starter. Yeah. Escobar? Why? Because... 
Probably when they submitted the ballot, Polanco had was still on the ballot. I would think yeah, well, maybe not. Where, what, mm-hmm. I wonder what position yeah. they just stuck him at. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, well, when uh, I fill mine out online later, I'll yes. let you know if he's on there. Okay, none mm-hmm. are in the top five. Eddie Rosario was twelfth in the outfield vote. Uh, there is a former twin in the top spot for catchers in the American League. Ramos, yeah, Wilson Ramos wow. just overtook mm-hmm. Gary Sanchez uh, mm-hmm. there. So Sanchez had a terrible year. He's uh, yeah. He's confused. It's it's a good good that somebody's having a terrible year for that team. They're going to win 110 minimum. This afternoon, the Dodgers scored two runs with two outs in the ninth on a Kyle Farmer double to beat the Cubs 4-3. to three. Uh, Kind of fun game. I just sat and watched some highlights. A lot of Dodgers got thrown out because they, oh, did, really? they didn't like the home plate umpire. Oh, he was, really? He was calling. Do we know who it was? Uh, boy, I it saw, was a kid. It was a it young, because I saw the highlight. Minor league network. Guy. Yeah. I saw his name. I don't remember it, but there were there were some pitches uh, just above the ankles that mm-hmm. were called strikes, and the Dodgers took exception. And so how many got thrown out? Well, yeah. we threw out Kemp. Uh, then we threw out Grandal, and then uh, th- while all that was happening, Dave Roberts got thrown out. <laughs> By the way, Kemp's having a really having good a year. Great, yeah. year. Yeah. great year. I'd be curious to know if Tommy Lasorda were still managing the Dodgers, how he would have uh, handled that game today. Profanely. Yes. <laughs> I'd get a limousine to pick the mother bleeper up just so I could pitch against him. <laughs> My- Minnesota Lynx. A big, loudmouth Bavakwa. <laughs> Minnesota Lynx in action tonight. They're at home playing the Dallas Wings. We don't have an edited version of that. Yeah, we played yes, we it last do. week, remember? Oh, I'd have to replay it. Yeah, that might the, be my daily complaint, yeah. that I wasn't around. <laughs> the best is when he uses the profanity as an adjective yes. for another profanity, <laughs> yes. which is just amazing. Well, it's an art form, John. It really is. ESPN, the magazine's body issue, comes out at the end of this month. Yes, there are a couple Minnesota athletes mm-hmm. in the magazine. Carl Anthony Towns will be featured, as will Olympic cross-country skier Jesse Diggins. Something uh, for everybody. That's right. Uh, the the uh, taste, let's call them tasteful nude and semi-nude poses okay. is how the athletes right. usually are. How about 1500 ESPN, the body issue? I oh. want Lindsay. Let's have Lindsay Vaughn make a comeback, too. I like that. I think we already had 1500 ESPN, the body that's issue. True. When, like when the Pat balance. and Rookie took that picture <laughs> yes. in the studio. In honor of right. J.R. Smith. <laughs> somebody asked me about that, and I said, well, I think uh, somebody asked Gardy if Ricey was in shape, and Gar- Ricey, and Gardy says he's in, Ricey's in a shape. He's in a shape. <laughs> in a shape. Yes. Is this issue replacing the swimsuit issue? No, this no, is no, ESPN. This is ESPN. Oh, yeah. magazine. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they do this every year. So it's copying the yeah, swimsuit. Yeah, they're kind of ripping it off. This uh, is uh, number 10. This actually is the 10th anniversary Okay, edition. thanks, Sean. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, we better let you... Ask a question. Kenny, do you want a list of all the uh, yeah, the ones who've been on the previous in the past? We got traffic out there, Johnny. Oh, Charles, so uh, that's up. that's good. <laughs> that's good. Sitting shotgun on the ride with Royce. Have a nice ride on fifteen hundred ESPN. The ride with Royce now continues. Sixty-nine. He's giving them the business. It's time for late. Hits. It was a, a hell of a uh, game. I mean, I mean, shit, uh, for uh, 23 bucks, if you can get more excitement than that, uh, hell, you're in the wrong uh, operation. It's a hell of a, hell of a game. And let me say something. It, as long as I'm in this fucking job, <laughs> Snelker will be the offensive coach. I mean, no, no fucking question about that. Uh, I don't like to name names after a fucking game. We can't be responsible for the blocking. We can't be responsible for the fucking guys jumping offside. We can't be responsible for fucking. We get down there, and and, uh, and it was a dumb play by by Anderson. I love I love Anderson, <laughs> but it was a dumb fucking play when he had when his foot was uh, shoe was coming off up the line screen. We were hard take timeout. We had a fucking trap play called, and and, he, and his, his 
fucking shoe comes off. <laughs> that, 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 ain't, that ain't Bob Schnucker's fault. No. We have another fucking trap play, and if, and if Finney picks up his fucking feet, he walks in. We got the fucking <laughs> pass to uh, 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 AC out there in the flat. Yeah. Is the ball thrown in and low? That well, ain't, that is Snooker's fault. Uh, so, uh, Mike Opat, I've gotten to know him well since he basically oh got God. Target Field built, right? And he and Thibodeau go back to Harvard. Uh, Opat was there. I'm still listening to this in Opat was there as a graduate assistant, and and uh, Tibbs was an assistant coach uh, at Harvard, and they played noon ball together and became buddies. So anyway, old Pat Thibodeau and I go to dinner last night. Okay. And uh and the it's just a wide ranging uh conversation. It's not an interview, it's not for a column, we're just BSing. It's a social event. And but he's asking me about guys. And he said, How well do you know Jerry Burns? And I said, Very well, one of the five greatest guys that was ever walked the earth. He said I heard that interview of his when he's talking about Schnelker, and he just started laughing, thinking about it. Tibbs laughing. Tibbs sure. laughing. Said it was the greatest thing he'd ever heard in his life, and he couldn't believe it. <laughs> and so that's uh, that's why I bring that up. Even Tibbs uh, couldn't help but uh, laugh his, uh, uh, Tibbs couldn't help laugh his ass Because he can probably that. relate. I yeah. Oh, yeah. But I don't think like that. It's, uh, I, I, I don't think he could get himself that worked up. I, I really don't because, you know, he just thought of, he's certainly more cautious than Bernsey is. But in all of the ones we've heard, Lee Ilya, mm-hmm. uh, Earl Weaver, Sorta. Kurt Bavakwa, the whole thing. <laughs> this is this is this is hard to beat. Can Carl, I give you? Can, can we beat. give the audience fifteen more seconds? Sure. Yes. A great catch by Hassan. We did. The guys didn't give up. A great catch by Hassan. This game reminds me of of a, a Cleveland Brown game when we went down to the old Met Center. When when we throw the ball century and he lateral the ball to Teddy Brown, Teddy Brown ran out out of bounds. Made a great play. The next one we hit we hit uh, Ahmad on the squadron right, put it in, and won the uh, division. Jerry, your stuff endorsed by the stuff all the stuff all the Some jackass had to ask him another question about Schnucker. Oh my God, and you just winding them up all over again. Okay, so I got to carry on. I guess uh, the, today's late hits are going to be uh, storytelling time. So uh, uh, I, 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 tw- I tweet out that, you know, Thibodeau, I said, I got one scoop from Thibodeau. Thibodeau. He thinks that the Jerry Burns tirade <laughs> on Schnauker is the greatest thing he ever heard in his life, right? He, mm-hmm. He's So then a guy from uh, who used to work at Channel 11 texts me uh, or puts on Twitter that, now he thought Channel 11 is the only one that had it, but the great Richie, the late great Richie Nestle, the photographer from, he said he'll never forget the look on Richie's face when he came in to the back to the office okay. that day at, at Channel 11 and said, you can't believe what we got on this tape <laughs> right. here. Which, of course, reminded me of oh, this 1980. Is... Uh, Richie liked his cocktails, and Steve Pacenta uh, was the the number two guy at Channel 11. Okay. And it was the night that uh, Ralph Sampson and... Um, 
and uh, Randy Brewer. Randy Brewer played in the NIT finals, mm-hmm. and we went out to Winter Park to watch it. Somehow we went out there for dinner, and then we went out to watch it. And I hope to hell we had a cab. It was. Uh, it was. <laughs> It was. This is before you had taken the cure. No, it was a close game. Yeah, it was one of the reasons I did take it. (laughs) But uh, we came back, and now we're. It's you know only like two thirty in the morning, and I happen to have some alcohol in my room, so we're still drinking. And Steve did a fantastic impersonation of Freddie Goodwin. And he had a little book, and he had like Rosen's number, and and whoever was here at Joe Schmidt. Or I don't think Joe was here in eighty. Mark Curtis 80, might have been whoever okay. it was. He had like Gilliland, probably Channel okay. Nine. And we decided that at two thirty in the morning, Freddie should call up these anchor guys and complain about a lack of kicks coverage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Steve started calling up. All of these guys, the wife would answer the phone, you know, groggy, and he'd get Rosen on the phone and say, what are you, you know, do his Freddie, when are you going to start giving us the coverage that we need? And, and he had to make three or four phone calls. Oh, uh, my God. And uh, that was one of the greatest nights of my life. Uh, Richie's no longer uh, with us, and Stevie was uh, went down to Phoenix. He was, God, he was a good guy. Went down to Phoenix. He's driving to RFK Stadium for a Cardinals game. And I think they'd just gotten down there. And he's looking around for the stadium, and he goes through a stop sign, and he gets uh, some guy plows in. Oh, you're kidding, man. Him. 40 years old, couple oh. of kids, wife, great gal. Yeah, he got killed in a car accident. So, uh, but... Uh, I will uh, never forget that day game <laughs> that night or the hangover the next day. I will never <laughs> Might have been that. a brutal one. Now, did did uh, were the you know was Mark Rosen and everybody were they all filled in on the fact that it was? Well, you I guys think after a while them? they figured out they were being spoofed. Okay. <laughs> they might have even known that Steve had this Freddie Goodwin impersonation to begin with. But when okay. you get awakened at two thirty in the morning with Freddie bitching about the kicks coverage, it was uh, that was pretty damn good. So I'll wait a minute. That. So this was Cheryl Reeve before she had the you know before she called out people for the lack of coverage. Yes. Same kind of yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. yeah, Freddie was see because they were you know they'd been hot and now they were going downhill. Okay. They were going to hell, you know, and I think that might have been their last year. Oh, they yeah. were going. So Freddie had a legitimate <laughs> complaint, even though it wasn't Freddie. Uh, we'll be back. Now on the ride with Roycey, let's hear the boys' daily complaints. Manny Hill, what you got? All right, so about uh, 12 minutes ago, we played the uh, wonderful uh, Jerry Burns rant. And, you know, we were talking about how, you know, you can't, it's hard to beat it. I think that's the thought locally here, but I don't think Burnsy's rant gets enough attention nationally. Yeah, and it I think should get a lot right. more oh, attention yeah, nationally because it really was is so underrated. spontaneous. Yes, and uh, it was after a win, too. Yes, that's what makes yes, it so great. Yes. I think somebody asked, Bernsey, did you win? He said, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah I think we did, yeah. <laughs> I echo Manny's thoughts because I want to say Kurt Bleepin Bavakwa. I have never, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a 130 hitter like LaFay or Bavakwa who could hit water if he fell out of a boat. And I guarantee you this. When I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a f- team that had guys on it like Babakwa, 
I sent a limousine to get the to make sure he was in the lineup because I kicked that dad any day in a week. He's a big mouth, I'll tell you that. Well, thanks, Tommy. I'll be a little more serious with my complaint. Oh, ESPN today. I turn over my shoulder. NFL. We are breaking down the Madden ratings for oh the God. NFL oh, as God. though it's analysis of the NFL. And uh, I, you know who else I want to rip? Judd. Judd's got a piece up on should the Wild consider replacing Boudreaux with Trotz. Oh, <laughs> we wanted Boudreaux. We wanted Boudreaux. Judd, you've gone Mr. Panic is in full-fledged mode also. Should we, play, should we consider poor Boods? What Boods do? This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 